So you're saying you'll do anything for a pickle. Well, hey, there's some business lessons in here, right? Because... Yeah, start a refried bean company and export it cheaply around the world. (laughs) You nailed it. Start the timer. Welcome to the podcast, the behind the scenes, unfiltered, no holds barred. Look at the realities of the location independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav, and I've got a brand new t-shirt on today. I'm Jason, and I'm jealous of that t-shirt you got well you couldn't send that i mean you could send it to me but it was like a ridiculous amount of money for um for shipping right yes but you know it brings up a question have you ever paid a ridiculous amount of money for shipping or something just because you wanted it so badly um i can't specifically remember something that i got shipped that i wanted so badly but when i lived in japan there was an import store um and we used to go there at least once a week and buy stuff that you couldn't get at a regular Japanese grocery store. One of those was refried beans and oh. the refried beans for a can of refried beans were $5. And I would go and I would buy $5 cans of refried beans even though they should have cost me like a dollar. It's so funny you say that because I have a heck of a time finding refried beans here in Norway. I found them once. And I was like, oh my gosh, they got refried beans. And um, I haven't found them since. <laughs> but I hear you. I mean, I paid, I think, almost $10, <laughs> maybe about $8 for a, a jar of pickles that weren't sweet pickles. They were more like the Clausen type of pickles that I like because so many of the pickles here are sweet and it's hard to find a pickle that tastes good without the sweetness. Anyway, yeah, I feel you on that, man, which is... So you're saying you'll do anything for a pickle. Well, hey, there's some business lessons in here, right? Because... Yeah, start a refried bean company and export it cheaply around the world. (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) Also, uh, people are willing to pay a premium under the right circumstances, right? And, you know, if you can set yourself up to be that that premium priced thing or at least something that's in demand to a level where like you know sometimes all sense will go out the window basically like i was um talking to somebody on my podcast the other day and i was thinking about her business model uh this is uh, a girl that you've interviewed as well a woman a girl jen uh she runs a website called beyondthestates.com and they help uh, american college students get into college in europe where it's substantially cheaper and I'm just looking at this business and I'm like, wow, this is a no-brainer business. Like, it, how hard of a sell is that? If you're saying, look, hey, I can get you in college abroad and you're going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars less than you would. Yeah, uh, maybe hundreds of yeah, thousands maybe hundreds of dollars less. If you're going to like a private university, it's, it's like the packages she sells are a no-brainer, right? So if right. you can yes. put yourself in a situation of uh, being the no-brainer business, whether you're the refried bean company or not, uh, that's always a good time. By the way, I don't know if that was the subject matter for today's podcast, but it, it could be, I suppose. There could be a lot to unpack around that. 
Yeah, I mean, there. When we talk about that, you know, premium products and stuff like that, people will pay a premium. And we, as we've just given you, kind of silly examples, right? Pickles and refried beans, but that that extends to anything in someone's life. When you're giving them something that they want and that desire is very prevalent in their mind, right? Again, it doesn't always have to be food, but for example, with Jen, if someone's saying, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know I could go abroad, but I've I've wanted to," you know pay less to go to school, or maybe I can't even afford to go to university in the States, or I just don't want to come out with huge amounts of debt. This is an option. I could go uh, and be an international student in Germany and not actually pay any tuition, right? Or I could go into the Netherlands and pay three to $5,000 a year or, or what have you. I mean, as you mentioned, not only is it something that people want, but then it also then it transitions even to a no brainer, because if you look at her prices versus how much you'd be saving, all of a sudden you're saying, oh, my gosh, this is this is crazy. Um, And so I think that, yeah, positioning yourself in that way or seeing, hey, what are the alternatives? Right. Like if I'm offering this, what are the alternatives that people uh, can have? And not always alternatives, Jay, is like, what are my competitors? But what is the alternative reality if they don't take me up on this offer? So in Jen's case, it's okay. Well, their options are either trying to figure out how to get into a university abroad on their own, which you can do, but is going to be, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time. And there's, especially if you want to look at multiple countries, right? Like, oh, I could go to Germany or France or England. Well, good luck. I mean, that's going to take you hours and hours and hours and hours of research just to even start figuring out where to look. Um, so that's one alternative reality. Or the second is, well, I'm not even I'm not even going to consider it because it seems too hard to figure out if I do it on my own. So that alternative reality looks like I'm going to college in the U.S. and that looks like tens of thousands of dollars of debt or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, you know, or having to find and figure out multiple scholarships or what have you. So, yeah, you always want to put yourself in someone's shoes and say, what is not just what do they get if they go with me, like what does their reality look like if they do make the decision to, to get my service or product, but what does the reality look like if they don't? And you want to paint that picture for people, right? You always want to paint what what the end result looks like with you and then what the end result looks like if they decide not to. Yeah. I mean, I think a good question to ask yourself if you're analyzing whether it's the side hustle business that you're starting or one that you are in the process of growing or you're a full-time entrepreneur, you know, what can you do to make X product or service that you offer a no-brainer? Like what, how can you add more value and make it, you know, a more of a no-brainer than it is even, even now? Because uh, when you ask yourself that question, you can look at it kind of with fresh eyes. You can say, all right, well, here are the things you know, I'm selling or that I might want to sell. Okay, I'm going to sell, you know, this travel planning service. Well, that's great. Like some people might need help planning their travels. How can I make it a no-brainer? How can I make it so compelling that like they they almost have to do it? And that can that might not even be changing your offer. It might just be the way you present it, right? By highlighting what you're saying, some of the some of the, you know, transformative aspects of what working with you will will do for them for their lives, for example. Um, so it may be in the communication. It may be in the actual offer itself. It may be in something that um, 
you're doing like on the front end or the back end for them, or maybe it's an aspect of what you provide where you're going to be holding their hand through something as opposed to letting them kind of do it on their own. There are a lot of different ways I think to provide value, but like it's, it's, it's almost like, um, I don't want to say a hack, but, but when you ask yourself a question, how can I make this a no brainer? That's such a powerful frame work, right? Like a, a lens through which to kind of view your products and services and like everything you're offering and, and kind of, get your head around it and figure out, okay, like, it's not like, oh, how can I, you know, maybe move a few more units of X widget or whatever. No, how can I make it a no-brainer? That's like a 10X type of question, right? Yeah, one of the things I want people to also understand is when we're talking about making a no-brainer, this doesn't mean it'll be a no-brainer to everyone, right? So that's, this is a very important distinction is there are going to be plenty of people who go to Jen's website and it's like, oh, well, I, I don't want to go to college. At, you know, they find her website somehow. You know, they're just kind of interested in maybe attending a college in Europe. They start looking through it and they're like, well, this isn't, this doesn't work for me because maybe they want to be a doctor or a lawyer. So the licenses they get, you know, in the US they need, you know, very certain uh, certifications and things like that. So when we talk about being a no brainer, it's really important to realize. That if you're trying to make your product or service a no-brainer for everyone, it's not going to work. This this is goes for anything that you make, and we dive really deep into this in a lot of our teaching, is that you have to really define who your person is. Who is your, you know, if we're using specific language, who is your avatar or who is your ideal customer or client? And then make it a no-brainer for them because other people don't matter. If the doctors and lawyers come to Jen's site and they're like, well, this doesn't work for me. I was interested in this, but I realize it doesn't work for me. Um, fine. She's not, she, she's not trying to go after them, right? She's also maybe, and I don't know, maybe she's not trying to convince people who need to be convinced to go to college in Europe. Maybe she's only looking at the people who say, I know I want to do this, but I don't know how. And once she figures that out, now she says, if they already want to do it, I don't have to spend my time convincing them. They just need to figure out how. And the only competitor is either they're doing it on their own or they're doing it through me. How can I make it a no-brainer to say, hey, let's have them go through me. And so just remember that when you're coming up with this idea of what's a no-brainer, it's who, what's a no-brainer for your ideal customer or client, not for anyone else. You don't care about them. You don't need everyone else. You know, I don't know how much Jen charges, but Jen might need 10 or 15 or 30 or, or maybe a hundred people a year to help. Right. And if she does that, fine. So she's, she, that's all she needs for a lot of you guys building businesses, especially if they're service-based businesses, you probably need three, four, five, ten 10 clients, right? So don't speak to everyone. Speak to who your ideal customer or client is and make it a no-brainer for them. Yeah, and of course, you can't bat a 1,000%, right? I mean, you can make it a no-brainer. What's a no-brainer for one person? Might you know You might have a similar type of, we'll say, avatar that doesn't see it that way. Right. I mean, that can happen a lot with like the programs that we run. Right. Right. We know the value. We know that, um, <laughs> you know, starting now is going to be way more valuable than not starting a side hustle or, you know, starting a year from now. Right. Like we help people do that. We help people get going and we help them get clarity, fine tune their ideas, set themselves up for success, create a plan. All those things are important. We know it works. We know it's compelling. And 
we try to paint that picture so people that resonate with that are like, oh, well, this is a no-brainer. Like, if I don't start getting on on this, like a year from now, I'm just going to be in the same place doing the same thing. Now, that's true <laughs> for everybody that passes as well on on the, the programs that we offer, right? So the, it might not always hit in, in the same way, but the idea is to kind of set yourself up for at least painting the picture of, of why it's a no-brainer. And also, you know, there are a lot of angles to look at this, Trav, and uh, a, lot, a lot of different ways to look at this, I should say. And one of them, I mean, you can even look at, you might have a no-brainer product or service already, but maybe the processes around that aren't a no-brainer. Like, you make it so difficult to kind of get people onboarded. I mean, you see this a lot with, with certain websites or like, you know, a a gym might be a, a good example of this. At least, well, they make it hard to cancel and it, it's really annoying, right? But I mean, certain services, they it, it's like difficult to get started, right? I mean, that's why you see a lot of these apps that work really well. It's like when you download the app, they just make it really easy to get in there and get started and they might ask for more information later because they know if they ask for all this information up front, you're just going to be like, eh, I don't have time for this right now. And then you never, ever come back. So you have to yeah, look I at actually, your, your processes. This happened your, to me. Just recently? Yeah, this happened to me. Now, granted, this was someone's like $20,000 mastermind. So they did it on purpose, right? But I want to give you an example of, uh, you know, they, they did this exactly what you're talking about on purpose. They made it hard because they wanted to weed out people. Well, right? that's another... Who, who, Way to right. Look at and it, right? so and so but it but it was the same idea of I was like, okay, let me get on there. Like they're gonna it said, give me your name and email address and then we'll send you more information. And I, I did that and the next step was like, you know, a twenty question um survey about, you know, what size was my business, how much were we making, how many employees, you know, what were my goals, what was my mission. So I get it. It was it was I knew going in it was gonna be a bit of an application because it was a higher level thing. So it's not that I was crazy surprised by it, but I didn't do that in the moment and I set it to go back to do later. Again, they did it intentionally, but you want to ask yourself, hey, if I like, what is my goal? When someone shows up to, to my product or service, do I want them to easily be able to get a taste of what it is, right? Like reading on, you know, you go on Amazon, it's like, send me a sample, boom, of this book, you hit it and all of a sudden you have the sample. They want to make it, they want to make it really easy for you to start, right? So you want to ask yourself, well, which am I trying to do? Do I want to try to weed people out in the beginning or do I want it really easy for them to get in my ecosystem and then start to figure it out? People with different products and services are going to resonate differently with that question, but just make sure that whichever you choose, you are then doing that, right? And especially if it's the easy onboarding one, right? Make it as easy as possible for them to, to get a taste of this. Um, and Jay, one of the things that, you know, we said it... It could be this idea of a no-brainer. You know, you want to make sure that you're also trying to get out of your own head as much as possible, right? Because a lot of people will be like, oh, well, this offer sounds great to me. Like, this is a no-brainer to me. But you also are the one who created it, and you know everything about it. Most people, when they hit your, you know, either read your email about what your service is or see your post on Instagram or go to your website or your sales page, whatever it is, right? They're not going to sit there and dissect that the first time, right? They're going to like scroll. They're going to see it. They're going to really quickly see what it is. And they're going to say, oh, either that's interesting or that's not, but they're not going to know it inherently as well as you know it because you created it. 
And so you want to make sure that when you are when you are looking at it, you try to look at it through the eyes of someone who's seeing it for the first time and is seeing it very quickly. And one of the ways to do that is to then ask other people for feedback. So what I would do is I would ask people who haven't used your product or service that you know, friends, family, right? Even if they're not your ideal customer. If they are, great. But if they're not, just, hey, really quickly, when you see this, what are you thinking? And just get them to give you some, oh, well, I see this, I see this, I see this. And you're like, oh, well, that's not what I want someone to see, right? Or, oh, that's perfect. This is what I want them to see. So ask them. Also, vitally important, when you do have people who have come through your service or used your program or what have you, obviously survey them at the end and get some really good information. But one easy question to do that takes no time at all is ask them, what was your biggest aha or breakthrough? Right. So we just did this with our Lifestyle Launch Academy students. They just finished their six weeks. Right. And we said to them, what was your biggest aha or breakthrough? Like, give me your gut reaction. We'll send them a survey and they'll give us a lot more information. But oh, but right away, what was your gut reaction? Because then they start telling us stuff and we start being able to say, OK, this is what resonated with them after six weeks and hours of coaching and course. This is what resonated with them okay, well, this should be something that's front and center. Like if we hear two or three or four people say it. So for example, the t-shirt that we're wearing, Jay, or that I'm wearing that I'll send to you over in Norway, don't worry, flat rate shipping, um, that says F perfection. We know people resonate with this idea of saying F perfection. So that's going to be front and center. So if you see our stuff for the first time, you're probably going to see something like that. And you're going to be like, huh, I'm intrigued by that, right? Maybe you don't sign up, maybe you don't buy right away, but you see it and then you see it again and you see it again and you see it again. So um, make sure you're, when you're looking of a no brainer, you're not just looking at it through your own eyes. Try to get other eyes who are outside of it on it as well, plus then people who have gone through it. Yeah, the no brainer thing is such a, can't uh, harp on it enough. It's such a powerful lens to put everything through, right? Like everything we've talked about today, you can even think about like, tasks related to your business, right? Like say if you're you're doing email outreach and you're trying to build partnerships or maybe you're reaching out to potential customers or whatever, how can what you're offering in that email in terms of value, how can you make it a no-brainer? I mean, this goes across the board, right? Like you you can't it doesn't mean everything's going to work all of a sudden, but if you ask yourself Every time you create something or tweak something, you're just looking at different aspects of your business or your potential business, and you're like, all right, I want to create this thing. How can I make it a no-brainer for everybody involved, and including yourself, and, right? And really importantly, it's not always price. Like People default to price, right? Oh, how can right. I make it a no-brainer? Well, let me just make it as cheap as possible. Pricing is one way to make it a no-brainer for people, but- it's not the only way. And it may be pricing relative, like you could look at Jen's stuff as an example, pricing relative to what they would be spending if they didn't use your service, for example. Right. And you don't even have to price relative to, quote unquote, what your competitors are offering. And you know what I mean? So maybe you're saying, oh, well, my competitors are offering an ebook on this subject for, or there's an ebook out there for $30 uh, that someone could buy, but I'm trying to do coaching um, and a course on this, and it's, I, I want to charge $1,000 or $2,000. There's no way someone would buy it because the no-brainer is the book. And I would say to you, 
That's not actually the no-brainer because the people who want to read a book and do it are different. They are not your ideal customers because they are DIYers, right? They want to do it on their own. They, they, they need a little bit of help from the book and do it on their own. What you're looking at is, like we've mentioned already, is what does their life look like if they don't take you up on this offer? So Jay, for us, let's just give them this example. For the Lifestyle Launch Academy and the program that we have... It's like, well, what does your life look like if you don't do this? You probably stay in your nine to five. You don't transition out, right? You don't build a side hustle that then becomes a full-time hustle. And so now you don't have the hours in your day that you want to have to be able to do the things you want to do. Travel, hang out with family, you know, um, spend time with loved ones, take up a hobby, like all the stuff that's built around this triangle of freedom. You don't have that. And so we're not sitting there saying, and I know Chris is going to buzz us out in a second, we're not sitting there saying, okay, are there competitors out there and what do their courses look like? Because again, you know, no one's a direct, usually a direct competitor. We're looking at what does your life look like if you do this and what does it not look like? Um, or what does it look like if you don't do this? And you want to highlight the positive side for sure in your marketing, and you, but you also want to highlight what happens if they don't take you up on it and what their life looks like. And for us, we usually use the language of like, all right, if you don't do this in a year from now, what what is it going to look like? You're probably going to be in the similar situation. Well, do you like the situation yeah. you're in? If not, you need to make a change, right? Yeah, I mean, you can just look at the benefits of what it is that you're providing and talk about, yeah, the things that, those benefits you're, that you're not going to get if they don't sign on as a customer or whatever, not fear tactics in, in that way, but just being honest. I mean, trying to speak yeah. your truth, you know, um, I, you know, one, the big takeaway here, I know Chris buzzed this out, so I don't want to go too over time. We can always continue this on the next pod, Trav, but, uh, features versus benefits podcast. It's huh? always, yeah, it could be one. It's always nice to kind of have one big takeaway. And for this, you know, the power question is asking yourself, how can I make this a no brainer? Whether it's your offer, whether it's um, the way you design uh, your sales page and the way you explain things, whether it's how you outreach to different potential partners and you're trying to get people to participate, how can you make it a no-brainer? How can you make it a no-brainer for all involved, right? Uh, the closer you can get to that, the more chance I believe you do have at success because people on the other end, you know, and that's really putting the customer and the people that you're working with first, right? Like how can I make it a no brainer for them? And it, it really takes it off you and puts the focus on where it should be, which is the other people that are, are involved, whether it's, you know, your team, your customers and so on, your potential partners and all that. So how can you make it a no brainer? I don't know. That's a question you have to answer for yourself, but we just wanted to get that question into your heads today. And uh, Trav, to we went totally on a total- transparent. I want, yeah, we got to be totally transparent. We came into this podcast saying we were going to record a different episode. Like we have a list of episodes here on both our screens of what we're going to record in our notes. And this was not the podcast we were going to record. But as soon as we started talking about the refried beans and the pickles <laughs> and the idea that we have both spent what would look like on the outside exorbitant amount of money on something that we really wanted, sometimes mm -hmm. it just takes a life of its own. Um but I think that comes, Jay, this, this ability to kind of ad-lib and freestyle an episode comes from the fact that we have helped people walk through this and we've done it ourselves. And uh, when something does hit like this idea of a no-brainer, uh, there's a lot that we can say about it. Obviously, yeah. Chris is, realizes that we're saying even more than our 20 minutes allotted. So, yep, you um, know, he's rolling a his eyes right now. He's got his hand on the buzzer. Now, here it comes again. Uh-oh. Sorry, Chris.
All right. We'll get out of here. We'll let you go. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. See ya.